Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome, welcome to the 50th episode of the Security Token Show with your hosts, Kyle Sondland and myself, Herwick Konings. And I'm particularly excited about this episode because Kyle and I started this podcast one year ago officially, only missing Thanksgiving and Christmas. Honestly, I really can't believe it. Dude, one year flew by. We've definitely put well over 500 hours into making sure we have the best research, best information, and news for you each and every week. And the Security Token Show now, as a result, has an incredible community with thousands of listeners, which it truly makes me so, so happy to know that Security Tokens already have such a wide audience. And I know that we are just getting started. There is no one that I'd rather be hosting this podcast with, Herwig. We've had a blast. And you better believe that we're certainly not going anywhere. So without further ado, buckle up because we've got another great episode for you this week. But just for you who may be just tuning in because we've had a significant increase in traffic recently, people are really excited to listen to the podcast. If you've never listened before, it's actually not an interview series podcast here. We do a weekly industry digest which kicks off with our Companies of the Week segment where we're going to pick our favorite companies making the biggest moves this week. Each of us picks one. And then we follow that with Herwig's industry news update, talking about everything institutional in the space around the world. Then moving into the latest in security token offerings and trading activity from me. And then we finally conclude with our main topic discussion, which this week is about on-chain voting for security tokens. So without further ado, let's get right into it, Herwig. Who is your company of the week for episode 50? Well, Kyle, that honor this week goes to Malaysia-based Asian digital securities exchange Fusong for developing an end-to-end platform for tokenization in Asia. So I really wanted to put Fusong on your radar because if you haven't heard of them already, they're they're someone you totally got to check out. They actually, interestingly enough, started out as a family office that separated out into a sister company. And now Fusong is dedicated to developing a leading Asian digital securities exchange. They first got their license from the Labuan Financial Services Authority in February of 2019. And two months later, they launched a custody solution and also added both a general of the Malaysian Armed Forces and a U.S. ambassador to their board of directors, and eventually launching publicly in February of this year. And as any great security token infrastructure company should do, they tokenize their equity, which will trade on their exchange, of course. So now the technology provider behind the deal, just so you know, is two times company of the week winner, Securitize, which has now signed with Fusong to provide tokenization technology to their clients. So I know we can expect their tokens to be trading on their platform soon. And now with an end-to-end solution, onboarding issuers for Fusong will be a breeze. I mean, given their reach across Malaysia, Singapore, and Hong Kong, they are well positioned to reach their goal of becoming Asia's leading digital exchange. So congratulations to Fusong for winning my company of the week. I love that pick, Herwig. I had the pleasure of speaking with Arthur Lee, who's the chief marketing officer at Fusong. I just spoke with them last week and they are very, very legitimate. They have a very rare license that allows them to essentially do full IPOs for companies and they're actually able to do that leveraging a security token. So they are very legitimate. They're looking for for new clients. They're gonna be coming live soon 
And uh, definitely keep this one on your radar, folks, because iStocks has a, a new competitor in Asia, and it's not going to be the last. Super cool, Kyle. But uh, don't keep our listeners in suspense here. Who's your pick? I have an update from an impressive Luxembourg-based issuance platform called Stalker, S-T-O-K-R. We've covered them before, but this week they confirmed that their Art ID security token is now live for investment. We covered this STO a few weeks ago, and now it's officially live on the platform. The, the company is, is raising $5 million. It's already hit its soft cap on the uh, Stalker platform. But I also just really wanted to give the strong shout-out to the Stalker team for building a great platform to access these investment opportunities. They've got 5 to 10 on the platform now that are either upcoming or are currently listing, including Park & Go, which is one of the largest uh, parking platforms in Europe. And so that was another security token that they're also raising for on their platform. And I was checking out their site and was very impressed with their their amount of information, the way that they display it. And I think it's a fantastic uh, platform altogether. I also had a great conversation with the, the founder, Arnab Naskar, last week and was very impressed with his understanding of the industry, his positive outlook on the technology and regulatory developments in the space, as well as his founding team. So just great work from Stalker. Keep it up, man. I really can't wait to see more assets that you bring to market, and hopefully we can get some of those onto exchanges so that anyone around the world has access. But congrats for, to Stalker for winning my company of the week, and pay attention for Art ID. You're going to hear more about that later. That's really great stuff. I'm looking forward to listening about that. I thought the Park & Go was an impressive deal, definitely very legit. And uh, in a Stalker platform, deservedly so is that company of the week for you so that's really really cool awesome man yeah no so that's a lot of fun and, and congrats to both of those companies but let's let's kick it off man let's get to the market update or the, the news yeah let's do it so but before i do i do want to remind everyone listening that all of the articles that kyle and i discuss on the show they're sourced from stomarket.com slash news and they're also available for reference in the about description of the podcast itself or you can always find it on the security token show medium blog now, kicking things off in the news cycle was my company of the week from episode 48, Vanguard, who won for finishing a blockchain pilot for capital markets. And now it seems the company has announced that they will be launching a blockchain-based platform for foreign exchange contracts. So according to an executive at the company, the pilot proves a use case for assembly that applies to all foreign exchange contracts, including swaps and outrights which is a FX transaction where two parties agree to buy or sell a certain amount of currency at a predetermined rate in the future. So the platform is expected to launch sometime in Q3 of this year, and that's honestly contrary to the assumption that a big institution like Vanguard would move slow to adopt blockchain. So keep it up, Vanguard. And speaking of big institutions, NASDAQ has made a big announcement. Some great coverage by Ben Jessel on Forbes talking about the newly announced Marketplace Services platform by NASDAQ, which uses distributed ledger technology to help enterprises digitize and leverage distributed ledger technology and smart contract technology for their, for their businesses. And the platform is backed with partners like R3 Digital Asset, Symboyant, as well as tech heavyweight Microsoft. Mm. So NASDAQ is really rolling out tokenization solutions and is, you know that's major news and they're doing it in a big way. And honestly, that's why that their announcement of this actually won, you know, the won them the company of the week a, a few episodes back. So I believe last month. So Ben's article really also, by the way, it goes on to really go into depth about the benefits of digitization and the current tokenization industry trends. Definitely go give it a read. 
And the SEC was busy last week, closing up a major case. The Telegram ICO saga, I'd say, has officially come to an end as the SEC settled with the company. Now, the Dubai-based company has agreed to pay $18.5 million in fines and will also have to return a full $1.2 billion <laughs> of their original $1.7 billion supposed sale. That's a lot. Uh, the company has since dropped also their ton platform. If you weren't aware, the blockchain that was supposed to launch with the token. But by the way, a separate group, Ton Labs, has gone on to launch the platform uh, with code that was released from, from previously. Uh, now, all in all, this I think is, is for sure the biggest rescission to ever occur for an ICO. I mean, we're talking about over a billion dollars. There, there are very few billion dollar ICOs and possibly you know, this also could be one of the biggest in capital markets history. This is a major, major decision. So honestly, don't ever think you're too big to fail. The SEC will get you if you do not play by the rules. It's not that hard, people. They, they pretty clearly list what you can and can't do and just, just follow the laws and you'll be fine. Oh, the ICO era. And that doesn't stop there because we've got another big ICO saga with the SEC with Tezos. Now, nothing officially has come charged to Tezos but they are looking to avoid a potential similar fate as Telegram. The blockchain protocol Tezos, which by the way is a focus for security tokens and is the 12th largest coin by market cap, settled its class action lawsuit with investors last week. Tezos, by the way, if you didn't know, raised a whopping $232 million. It was the, one, of the, one of the biggest ICOs in history. And you know, investors, of course, have sued them for the very same reason as the others, that Tezos violated securities laws in the US. So in an effort to drop the heat and also show the SEC regulators that they don't have any issues with investors anymore, the Tezos Foundation agreed to a $25 million settlement. Now still though, the final arguments on the case will take place in August, at which time the courts will determine if $25 million constitutes reasonable restitution for the plaintiffs, plaintiffs and if legal fees are covered uh, you know, in the payment. So presumably it, it will pass if the class action members are all happy with the number. But meanwhile, there is definitely no guarantee that the SEC still won't go after Tezos, but this is, move is you know, certainly not gonna hurt them. And speaking of the SEC, change is coming. Uh, as President Trump has nominated the current SEC chairman now, Jay Clayton, for another position, the US attorney for the Southern District of New York, or basically Chuck Rhodes, for any of you Billions TV show fans out there, <laughs> Kyle and I are, are big fans. Um, but anyway, while barring any hitches with the nomination, that means the chair position is now vacant. So typically the senior most same party commissioner at the SEC is typically nominated, though it is not you know, out of the question, of course, for Trump to appoint someone from outside the SEC, as he has done with many government organizations uh, already. However, if things were to remain true to tradition, that means Commissioner Hester Pierce would be the one who is taking over. She has seen as the most friendly towards crypto regulations and in blockchain in general, even at one point proposing a safe harbor for ICOs. So, you know, this would obviously please many in the blockchain and crypto community, but again, it's definitely not a sure thing. We'll be watching this one very closely as Jay Clayton did do a lot of good moving towards capital markets reform, you know, reform designed to improve 
improve crowdfunding and enable digitization. For, for those of you very early on listening, you might remember that we actually participated in one of their efforts to help modernize the exemption framework here in the US and, and I've seen potentially some successful results. Hopefully those get implemented sometime later this year or next. Episode one, it's actually, funnily enough, it's been a year anniversary. That was our first episode was on the SEC and our feedback. It all comes full circle. And moving over to Europe, European Union regulators have said that they will be releasing rules for cryptocurrency with an emphasis on creating clarity and enforcing cryptocurrency and stablecoin regulations. A regulatory watchdog for cryptocurrency will cover digital assets and consolidate standards across the continent for the 27 member countries. So Valdis Domobroskis, I hope I said that right, nice. uh, you know, the previous prime minister of Latvia and now the EU's executive vice president of the European Commission for an Economy That Works for People. Uh, quite a mouthful, but an impressive individual. So you should listen up when he says that, you know, overall, our approach will be proportionate and relate to the level of risk. That means lighter rules for less risky projects. Mm. So all in all, you can read into it what you will, but this is expected to further curb progress of initiatives such as Libra and other stable coins not issued by central banks in the continent. And making a nice luxury trip over to Monaco, we'd see that there is a new bill and security token framework to help security tokens have legitimacy and rules to follow in the region. The security token industry in the region is specifically focused on private markets with public STOs actually being banned. And furthermore, the company must be domiciled in Monaco and cannot be a limited liability company, but the regulators are looking at trying to change that. And finally, STOs will also need approval from the regulators before being allowed to launch. However, the good news is that they define security tokens as traditional financial instruments with the same rights and protections as most countries have done that have issued frameworks and definitions for security tokens. Let's see how this spurs up the STO industry in Monaco. I mean, we're definitely gonna be tracking it. There are even talks of a potential exchange to be launched. Of course, we'll keep you updated. And moving into our industry announcements, the regulators of Monaco did one more interesting thing. They named Tokeny as the sole provider for tokenization services in the, in the region. The, you know, an impressive victory for Tokeny as it continues to dominate the European market as a leading tokenization provider. You know, congratulations. I mean, getting exclusivity with this wealthy microstate of France certainly cements that. Uh, keep it up. And over in Japan, Tokai Tokyo Financial, a major investment bank that is big on security tokens, which also I have some coverage on in my article on the rise of Japan's security token ecosystem, which you can find in our blog or in the about description here. But anyway, Tokai Tokyo has announced that they are launching an exchange for real estate. So Tokai Tokyo is investing in blockchain company Hashdash Holdings to leverage the company's knowledge to develop the exchange and leverage the iStock exchange to trade the tokens there as well. So I'm excited to see Japan real estate become a fast growing focus. And as it's obviously one of the best asset classes to start to tokenize. That is Tokai Tokyo, T-O-K-A-I Tokyo, two different words, Tokai Tokyo major investment bank in the country. And speaking of exchanges in Asia, another firm focused on digital securities has been accepted into the monetary authority of Singapore's FinTech Sandbox. That's where it all starts there. And the firm is HG Exchange or HGX. And when they finish their tenure in December, they are likely to be given approval to launch their security token exchange full time. 
And meanwhile, their platform is already live and open in pilot mode to investors thanks to the MAS Sandbox. And interestingly enough, the platform is built on the Zilliqa blockchain, which isn't always known for powering security tokens. So we'll get the scoop from Kyle on any future listing on STOs on the HGX. Yeah, big news. iStocks came out of that. They're now live. They have a trading token, which is a hedge fund, Eternal Glade. We'll see if HGX can follow suit. Asia's digital securities marketplaces are really heating up. And unfortunately, in last week's episode, if you were listening, we saw a tokenization platform go under in Europe. I'm referring, of course, to New Fund. And now this week, we have a U.S. blockchain software company with services for security tokens and other blockchain applications that has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The company known as Factum, which was originally founded in 2014 and is based in Austin, Texas, apparently has $7.5 million in debt and is going through a restructuring to pay creditors back over time. Hopefully a trend of failing companies in the space is not something we continue to have to report. And to end the new segment today is an interview worth checking out on securities.io with Hirandur Misra, the chairman of the GMAX group and the chairman of the SecDex, aka the Securities, Commodities, and Derivatives Exchange based in Seychelles, which earlier this month also announced the custodial services. The interview gets into the nitty gritty of the GMAX group and its initiatives, including its wide range of capabilities and services for the security token space. It's definitely, I think, you should something that you should check out. And given that the custodian platform has apparently already attracted over a half billion dollars worth of assets, which they say has been tokenized and immutably and transparently on the Ethereum blockchain. So the SecDex is expected to launch exchange services and other solutions under the Seychelles regime later this year. And that's all the industry news I have for you. So big things happening in the space. Clearly, I hope you all agree. And, and with that, Kyle, please tell our savvy listeners about some of the upcoming industry virtual events now. It's Zoom time. I hope you had a chance to watch some of the events that we covered last week. There was three in a row that we had an opportunity for you to check out, and uh, they were all great events. And, and so we have, unfortunately, just the two that we've covered before. Fortunately, the Security Tokens Realized event that we have been covering is tomorrow, which is of the day of filming. It's the day of posting, Tuesday, June 30th from 11 to 12.30 Eastern Time. And so it's gonna be a panel on will digitizing capital markets create a whole new user experience? Definitely one to check out and you can catch that tomorrow. On top of that, we do have the Singapore Blockchain Week. We've covered this one as well. That's July 21st to 23rd. They are going to have a panel and a, their own theme on asset tokenization, specifically on tackling the challenges of security tokens and issuance and distribution. So that's fantastic. Shout out to Singapore. They're so focused now on security tokens. They see the value proposition and I can only imagine this will be a great event as well. Definitely a lot going on over there. This, this should probably hopefully maybe yield some great announcements or definitely some great interesting thought leadership. Absolutely. And then if we move forward into some, some security token offering updates. Tell us. We're gonna start with ID. We covered this one at the beginning. This is a, a stalker issued security token and now back to their fundraise the company has raised 700,000 euros so far which exceeds the soft cap so this is coming into production and it's now trying to finish the to 5 million total raised to continually build out the development of their art tech business the token is a 10% revenue share security which can be extremely risky especially for a startup but this is a company with existing revenues in the art collection business and so they seem to be in a pretty strong position to secure their first seven-figure capital ejection on the back of their successful business. 
This would be the team's first financing round or first public financing round following an initial 700K private round that they completed in 2019. So you should definitely check the offering page that I mentioned earlier on the Stalker website to understand more details about how the business works, the team, and then its strategy moving forward. But congratulations to Art ID. This is going to be a live security token. It will hit exchanges after their lockup periods and whenever they can close their round. So congrats to Art ID. We also have an update from Mount Pellerin, which is a live trading token on the Uniswap decentralized exchange. It is being tracked on stomarket.com in real time. And this is, Swiss, this is a Swiss issuance platform, and they have successfully announced that they conducted their first annual shareholders meeting. So Mount Pellerin was successful in managing blockchain-based voting by pulling over 630 token holders around the world through its bridge wallet technology accessed via a mobile app. Amazing. This is a great step forward for voting and governance in general, and I look forward to covering it a little bit more in our thought leadership section near the end of this episode. So we're not going to dig into that too much, but still, congratulations to Mount Pellerin. That's, that's fantastic. Absolutely cool. We also have three new security token offerings this week, so it's a really packed episode for security token offerings. The first one that we're going to start with is StakerDAO which distributed equity in their, their seed round as well as their Series A round, which was co-led by Polychain and Lemniscap. Based on the current value of $13.30 per token, Staker has a market cap now of $20 million. In addition to the equity, the token actually facilitates a governance process that runs every month and is tracked on the Tezos blockchain with full transparency, which I think is a fantastic value add and again, something we're going to cover in the main topic. But I want to shout out Polychain and Lemniscap for leading the security token fundraise and bringing more awareness, but more importantly, new funding to the industry. Moving forward, we also have London Chelsea Limited, who announced a property fund that invests in prime residential real estate in the UK called the London Digital Bond. They're issuing a bond for their, their real estate fund, and the team is partnering with issuance platform SolidBlock for the issuance, who has experienced tokenizing real estate after actually assisting with the St. Regis Aspen Resort in raising the $18 million through a security token in 2018. The London Digital Bond will begin its fundraising on July 1st, and when we get there, we'll have more details of the terms of the offering, so there will be more news to come on that one, but definitely keep your eyes peeled. Or, yeah. Finally, to anchor the STO segment, I'm excited to walk you through the Republic Digital Note. Republic is a crowdfunding platform which has launched a profit-sharing token launching on July 16th. When the over 700 startups and private equities that have and will raise with Republic see a liquidity event, Republic earns a cash-based, predetermined, carried interest rate, as well as commissions from each company. Essentially, when the company's shares go, the company shares profit when the companies that raise with Republic Get acquired so essentially you're investing in this digital note and as the companies that republic has funded continue to be successful and when they go public then you actually get a liquidity event from that they're paid in dividends so as an investor you now have the opportunity to invest into carry and profit on the success of the fundraising on the platform instead of just investing in the companies you actually get to invest in the fundraising platform and its efficiencies in sorting out which companies are good and which ones are not the company's raising $8 million US dollars for these notes, and they are now accepting pre-registration, but we'll get more info on this one as well once it goes live in just a couple of weeks. That's a really exciting one. You know, Republic is a huge crowdfunding player. They're a, a part of the AngelList family. They've, as you've been listening, perhaps have heard of many of the acquisitions that Republic has recently been doing. 
Uh, so I think this is a really cool offering and it's great to see them finally start to leverage tokenization and blockchain. But I gotta say, it's, it sounds a little complex. It's a very intricate business model uh, that you have to wrap your head around. I wish it could have just been you know, as simple as equity. Uh, but you know that's just my two cents. I'm with you. I, I, I'm looking at this diagram on their website. If you go to republic.co slash note, you can see the full breakdown here. They do have a white paper, a lot of other things as well. But the Republic fees that Carrie was talking about can range from one to 16%, I guess based off of the terms of the deal with each client. And then there's also this, this Republic commission that's a 2% flat fee. So I think it can be either or for Republic. I don't think they charge both. But again, as you said, Herwig, this is very complicated financials instead of just maybe making it something a little more straight up. But we'll see if the investor interest is there and that'll determine the success of the offering. Moving into the market update for the secondary market, we have a total security token market cap of 129 million, which is up 15% this week. Driven by a strong overstock performance coupled with a blockchain capital trade that spiked its market cap, we are on the rise for another week in a row. First, we're gonna start with Overstock, which continues its strong rise, mirroring the success of its public shares, up 15% this week. The price closed Monday at $16.50, which is over double its closing price at Airdrop about a month and a half ago. So we're still pretty far from the $27 close price that the public shares are at right now, but at least the tokenized shares do seem to be following the momentum of the public markets, which is a great sign for the industry by reputation. It's also strong trading volumes as well with over 120,000 in 24 hour volume during Monday's trading. Unfortunately, T0 shares still have yet to match Overstock Digital's performance. And despite an 8% jump on Monday, the T0 token is still right about where it was when we left it last week at about $1.18. Regardless, volumes are up across the board, which is fantastic for the technology showing that it's really working as intended. And I'm psyched to see the continued optimism of Overstock's security token. The other token this week that really caught my eye was Blockchain Capital, which had what it seemed like a test trade on Tuesday, but this was no ordinary test. One singular share of the fund was sold in open finance last week for a 78% premium, shooting the market cap from over 6 million to 11 million US dollars. Test trades are not necessarily uncommon, especially on open finance. We see it pretty regularly. But it always is interesting when you see a tiny trade like this that seemingly artificially boosts the company's valuation. Real estate also really struggled this week again, seeing back-to-back -back weeks of negative returns. With each additional issued asset, it does seem like we're starting to see less liquidity for each of these real estate properties. We covered market makers and liquidity strategies in episode 44 of the podcast, so I'm going to save the details here. But low trading volumes further expose the need for post-issuance services like investor relations and liquidity management for the growing security token market. So it'll be interesting to see what solutions come out. Absolutely. Totally agree with that, Kyle. But good to see the market continues to be healthy despite some of these kind of demo or one-off uh, transactions. Absolutely. And, and the good thing about the real estate is that it matters a little bit less. You're getting paid the dividends. You're getting cash in your account each day over 10%. So, you know, I think that a couple percent loss on equity isn't going to really break the bank for many people. My one final shout out does go to Jamie Finn for successfully winning my Twitter contest on Monday, correctly identifying the top five security tokens by market cap. I posted it out and asked for responses without looking at our site and Jamie correctly listed them, Overstock, T0, Bcap, SpiceVC, and Lottery.com. As a co-founder of Securitize, which issued three of these five tokens, he clearly had an edge on some of our listeners, but congrats again 
the accomplishments at Securitize, and well done, Jamie. Follow me on Twitter, and you can see my question of the week for next week. And if you're the first person to get it correct, you're going to get a shout-out on the podcast, so definitely check it out there. Oh, that's awesome, Kyle. I really like that. And congrats to Jamie uh, for getting that right. That's a, that's a cool little thing. We should keep going. It's pretty fun. Why not? And great work, as always, keeping us filled in on the latest in these STO updates and market updates. And the markets are, are clearly alive and well, and you've got the pulse on the market with these, these weekly digests, so I know our listeners are enjoying it as much as I am. That's good. And with that, let's get into our main topic. It's our 50th thought leadership piece on this podcast. So we decided to cover on-chain voting with security tokens. Now, blockchain-based shareholder governance is a crucial value add for investors that has shown promise throughout the development of this industry. Yet, it hadn't quite been executed before on a live token, so we've been waiting for the right time to discuss this on air. Fortunately, this week, we actually saw two examples of shareholder governance in action, which makes it the perfect time to dig in. Governance is obviously a big part of public markets as it allows investors to have control over the direction and operations of a business. All companies can benefit from having aligned interests, of course, with their investors and offering opportunities for those investors to voice their opinions, builds trust and confidence in the underlying business, usually contributing to less price volatility over time, knowing that investors who buy in have the ability to participate in business decisions and, of course, are aligned. The great thing about this feature is that it's not a tremendously complicated tech build-out and it doesn't require some elaborate design. A company can leverage a mobile app or a website to integrate its shareholders onto the platform. By linking a given wallet address with a user's identity, the governance system can verify how many votes you're entitled to based off the entire holdings that you own. This is a similar structure to a traditional crypto consensus mechanism known as proof of stake, except in the proof of stake system, you get paid to verify your assets to vote instead. They have no rights to the underlying asset, so they require payment and to dedicate the resources required to run the ship properly. With a security token governance, you verify your holdings and your identity, and then can vote on decisions for the company. The responses you make are tied to your assets, so nobody can forge votes and we can be sure everybody's participating. Companies also can make sure these votes are anonymous to the public, or they can show a transparent vote to show each issuer on how to better communicate with the majority of opinions. It's just that simple. That's a, that's a great breakdown. I think we've all got a good grip on it now. I mean, it's pretty simple in the end. It's just a better way to do electronic voting. And that's, of course, no surprise because blockchain for voting in general is being applied all around the world, whether it be for corporate governance or even international government elections. You know, it, it's definitely a good use case. But for the sake of the podcast, let's reel it in and focus on specifically security token use cases. I'd like to take a little time to talk about where voting is going to be important, Kyle. I'd love that. Go for it. So uh, in the beginning few years of the industry, you know, the focus was on simply the, the, the base efforts of security tokens, despite the fact that the technology is already built for on-chain payments and voting today, the reality is, is the staple feature for security tokens is the built-in compliance and custody benefits. This enables digital access to a security and of course the ability to transfer that to others via a completely digital exchange. It's fundamentally disruptive. So for the first wave of tokens 2018 and through 2019, you know, the focus was primarily on equity and interest for funds and simply enabling access to an ownership interest. But security tokens are designed to evolve and get smarter. And now as we covered in episode 47, dividends 
royalties and on-chain payments are starting to get more use. We see it all the time in real estate. It's very common. But we also know some equity tokens that have plans to issue a dividend. And we even saw Lottery.com issue a royalty earlier this month. So as we discussed on that episode, Kyle, on-chain payments are really an absolute game changer for governance. And guess what? So is on-chain voting. Right. And now that the current market is standardizing on-chain payments, the next wave of tokens and evolutions will normalize voting functionality as well. It's inevitable to me. It's another key area of governance that is tough to manage with a lot of shareholders, unless you, of course, have a security token. And as Kyle and I are saying, voting is the mechanism for enforcing rights and protection, you know, protecting your investment as a token holdings. And voting can be used for all sorts of things, you know, just from simple things like approving policies and new procedures for the underlying company, uh, or bigger things like voting on new management or board members or fiscal changes, such as dividend payments, stock splits, you know, more, more things like that. So shareholder rights and votes are a key component of public markets as well. I mean, there's no reason to believe they will be any different for security tokens. By issuing every voting share on chain, we can very easily track which shareholders have already participated and which jurisdictions haven't had their share of representation. Managing thousands of shareholders now becomes an automated process that can be observed in real time by issuers via the issuer dashboard instead of requiring people on staff to manage those shareholder votes. With a leaner and more efficient voting process, it opens the door for more voting opportunities as well. Companies could com commence shareholder votes on new product directions, marketing strategies, or charity fundraisers. With an ability to quickly poll your consumers, innovative investor relations strategies emerge on top of potentially avoiding PR flops by asking the crowd first. Wow, that's that's some cool ideas there, Kyle. You're, you're taking things to the next level. Definitely what I see is an advanced future for security tokens. That's what, what the whole point of on-chain voting will enable. But I think we should end today's main topic, you know, highlighting some examples where on-chain voting will also be critical. And at the end of the day, what we're talking about is the last remaining component of automation, where we as humans have the input that is driven by the outside factors. You know, if the majority of token holders don't like the CEO, we could vote someone new in to say replace her. As Kyle described, we simply participate by using the same interface we know and love, your phone or computer, to vote. The governance happens in the background, and what I'm really getting at here is that for the use cases like DeFi, fully decentralized organization, DAOs like StakerDAO that Kyle mentioned earlier, they will be completely driven by the on-chain voting mechanism. What the other, what users, you know, ultimately vote on, you know, similar to voting on a hard fork for a cryptocurrency or upgrading the protocol, you know, they have programmatic implications as a result of the vote which means in, in the terms of security tokens, it could be the lending rate being adjusted or the market price being affected or the dividend percentage payout changing programmatically as a result of the vote being completed. You know, this is enabling the completely digital financial application to evolve through consensus from its token holders. As the digital world, you know, connects finance and business through security tokens, the on-chain vote will be a critical feature to enable investor participation from all around the world. Diversity of opinion is crucial for innovation. Many companies in the past have fallen for the trap of groupthink in their boardrooms, executive teams, and investor networks. By providing your customers with an opportunity to vocalize their opinions, it not only provides transparency and legitimacy, 
but it also removes some of the pressure and stress from those same boardrooms or executive teams as they can actually give the people what they want as opposed to trying to guess their investors' interests. It also can allow for financial rebalancing, budgeting, and many other crucial corporate structures that investors and backers traditionally have had very limited exposure to in the past. No way to communicate with other investors, limited transparency, and certainly rudimentary technological integration has always been a big barrier. I think it's a game changer and hopefully a great use case that can transcend the security token space and even play a crucial role in our world's progress moving forward. But with that in mind, I think that about wraps it up for us this week. Thanks again for listening to the Security Token Show, episode 50. Thank you to over 5,000 listeners. Please send any thoughts, comments, or feedback to myself or Herwig on Twitter or LinkedIn. And make sure to submit all of your news stories to stlmarket.com news while making sure to tune in every Tuesday morning to the Security Token Show. I look forward to talking to you all next week. Thanks for listening, everyone.